last Kentucky coach that left Kentucky to go to be the head coach at Texas A&M, Bear Bryant. Texas A&M just kicked the next Bear Bryant out of College Station before he ever got to College Station. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. Why? Because, well, he doesn't win enough in the SEC. Mike Elko's 9-7 and seven in the ACC. How did the last ACC coach that you hire work out for you? Joe, who'd you say the guy in the 70s was? Fran Kirchy. Fran Kirchy? The Kentucky? Yeah, who won 10 games, and then Bear Bryant won 10 games in 1950. Yeah, and then Mark Stoops doubled the 10-win total at Kentucky. Could You know why Bear Bryant left Kentucky? No. Because he would never be as popular as Adolph Rupp. True story. That's why he got out of there. Can I throw a name at you for U of H? Okay. Is there any chance they can convince Bob Stoops? I don't know. To coach again? Doesn't seem like he wants to coach college, right? He's just... Well, is, is that more is for NIL the, and transfer portal? Is life in the XFL really that good to not go coach college football? Yeah, you don't have to recruit. You don't have to play with the political game. Yeah, you just be a right. ball coach. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know, Bob. Do you think that being Bob's brother was part of the disdain from a, the A&M contingent? I don't see why. I don't, I don't think it should be. I think it's just that A&M fans, they look at names. And and if it's not names, they want someone who is going to, at the press conference today, say, I'm back. They want to win the press conference. Yeah. Like, they should focus on winning. I think Elko's solid, but Stoops is just as solid. Stoops might be better. It was their first choice. It was their first choice. Like, no, no, we don't want him. I mean, he's. It it was very bizarre the way it it just went from a, a slam dunk done deal to. Completely falling apart within like an hour. The fan base, they had an uproar. They ri- they had a social media riot and it forced Stoops to not be the head coach at AM. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, Houston Texans lost a football game yesterday. Each and every Monday after the Texans play, we grade CJ Stroud's performance. Uh, with the play you had yesterday, too, with Trevor Lawrence, we probably need to mention Trevor Lawrence in the mix here and, like, who played better between Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. I, I saw a lot of people today say that uh, – I saw it on the Chronicle. I saw some talking heads say that C.J. Stroud outperformed Trevor Lawrence. Do you think that is true? No, I do not. Not for that game. Not yesterday in a one-game scenario. Uh, just looking at the one game in its totality, no, I, I, I feel like – we might have seen the best, or if not the best, one of the best performances that Trevor Lawrence has put on tape since he's become a Jaguar. He played his tail off, and he played really, really well. And that's not a slap in the face to CJ, because I think body of work matters in terms of comparing the two, and that's different than what happened yesterday. But yesterday, I believe it was advantage to Trevor Lawrence. I do, too. And, like, the numbers would, would be like, well, you know, Stroud threw for more yards. Stroud – actually, Lawrence threw for more yards. Stroud threw for more touchdowns, I mean. Uh, Stroud had a better quarterback rating. His his QB rating was better than Trevor Lawrence's. I thought Lawrence was phenomenal. And I don't think C.J. Stroud was bad. I thought That's Stroud right. was good, too. I thought – honestly, I thought we saw two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL going toe-to-toe. I think we saw the early makings of what's going to be a really good rivalry in this no division. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud, to me, are both – top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And they went toe-to-toe yesterday. You had Trevor Lawrence talking after the game. He's like, yeah, I root for teams in my division to be bad. I wish C.J. Stroud wasn't good. He is, and I think Lawrence realizes how good Stroud is. This is going to be the – I mean, Anthony Richardson, what does he end up doing with, uh, with, with the Colts? Levis is like on a different tier than Lawrence and Stroud, a lesser tier mm-hmm. than Lawrence and Stroud. This is the makings of what I think is going to be the rivalry in the AFC South going forward. Oh, Jags no and the Texans and Lawrence and Stroud. They mentioned it. I mean, they were. The, I think they were asking the, the guys, in, the, both quarterbacks about it, but the, the media was talking about it, and it should be. I mean, look, 
I don't know that Trevor Lawrence, in my mind, is a top five quarterback in the NFL. I've already said I think CJ's top seven right now, the way he's playing. I think the body of work since they both came into the NFL, just looking at a smaller sample size for CJ, I'd take CJ over Trevor Lawrence. But that's not to say that Trevor, just like we just said yesterday, it's not a slight to CJ that Trevor Lawrence won yesterday. I think that overall, if I had to choose between the two and their body of work in the NFL, I, I, I've seen a lot more to where I would take C.J. Stroud over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I would I would go Stroud-Lawrence long-term. I, I mm-hmm. think Stroud's slightly ahead of Lawrence. I think they're both top three potential quarterbacks. I think Stroud's already there. I think Lawrence is top five. Um, now, long-term, I'd rather have Stroud. I do think that Trevor Lawrence played better than C.J. Stroud yesterday by a hair. Uh, I disagree with the, the takes that, yeah, despite the loss, C.J. Stroud outperformed Trevor Lawrence. I, I just completely disagree well, with I that. But I also think, too, it's a difference. In, it's a team sport, right? As much as we're grading the individuals, this is still a team sport. And from a team sport perspective, I, I think that C.J., not, whether you say he was running for his life or not, he was constantly being forced to move the pocket out of the pocket and he was constantly out of his comfort zone whereas trevor lawrence pretty much could do whatever the hell he wanted yesterday I think he was that's making why, some incredible throws but that's kind of why i, I lean cj I, I mean i think it's a, honestly i would call it a draw i don't think there really Fair. is a, a winner Close. but the reason why i might lean cj a little bit more is because he was fighting for his life it felt like i mean all the unblocked plays on josh allen titus howard just getting eaten alive until he got hurt Trevor Lawrence had a clean pocket all day. He still made the mistakes that CJ didn't. What and mistakes? What mistakes did he make? It was, it was, it yeah, that's it was not an interference. That was not on him. That is not his fault. And he had a touchdown dropped. Like it, dime, dime touchdown. Like he was making incredible throws. The throw to Christian Kirk on that long play at the end of the first half, terrible defense. But look where he put that ball. He, he was throwing throws. dots yeah. the entire game. The interception, I'm, I'm not dinging him. I can't put that on him. Because it was a timing route that was disrupted by a penalty that should have been called. It wasn't. Yeah, same. I don't know. I feel like if we if CJ threw that and we were grading him, we count that against them. Absolutely not. Nope. We we've been very fair with CJ Stroud's right. intercept, interceptions. We we talked. He threw three last week, and we said the second one that went off the hands of Robert Woods is not on him. Like we flat out Agreed. said that. Like I feel like we're boxing judges right now, grading the performance of two heavyweights that went toe to toe. I hope we're more fair than the boxing judges these days. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence won by split decision yesterday. The, the judges of the killer bees. This might be a new bit where we're boxing judges whenever so we're, we're comparing things for, two to two. Maybe next season we'll do boxing. We'll do boxing. Go. That's a good because this is it. Won't be his rookie year. I, I give we give like because I gave Lawrence the edge. Blankers gave Lawrence the edge. You went C.J. Shroud. Trevor Lawrence is your champion by split decision. Fair. He he slightly edged according to the judges of the Killer Bees. In this bout. In this one, in this bout. one game yeah. bout. I mean, you yeah. go to the first bout, the, the first of this, hopefully it's a trilogy this season. Hopefully we see it again in the playoffs. I that would really be hope awesome. so. be great. C.J. Stroud won the first fight. Yep. We need sure a trilogy. Did. We need a trilogy of these two heavyweights, uh, the two of the better quarterbacks in the NFL going head-to-head. I, honestly, I think that could be, it would be the best matchup in the first round of the playoffs. It would be so fun. Texans, Jags. And, like, did you, I thought it was chippy yesterday. Like, not from start to finish. It wasn't every single play. I thought there was some chippiness yesterday. It oh, felt there was intense. some John. Yeah. I felt it was very intense. The jawing, it felt like a high level. It felt like a playoff intensity game. Uh, and look, very much was both rosters fully realized how important that game was yesterday. They played like it. That's why you, you made the point that it felt like a playoff game. I don't think there's any doubt that the participants felt the magnitude of what that one game meant. And for that one game, I think Lawrence outplayed CJ, but it, it yeah. wasn't by a landslide. And, and I, Joe, Joe saying that it was like close to a draw. I agree. Like this yeah. is like in boxing nowadays, you have 12 rounds, right? Like I have Trevor Lawrence winning seven rounds and CJ Stroud winning five. Yeah, one guy like, got to win. Yeah. For me, it was the closest of margins. Uh, let's grade CJ Stroud. Let's give Stroud our golf grade. What'd you, what'd you uh, see from Stroud? Uh, because of what we were just talking about, 
And because of the fact that the variables were stacked against CJ, I give him a par. I'm not going to give him a birdie. I normally would save pars for wins, but he didn't do anything. He didn't throw picks. He didn't fumble the football. He didn't give the football up. He was running for his life most of the day. He was still making really, really good throws. You look at the ball that he threw that Tank got you know, the, with the penalty, but he was making the right decisions for the most part. I still think his numbers were good. He didn't do anything to hurt his team. So for that, I'm going to give him a par. Uh, I thought that there were some... Um... He seemed to yard off on all the shot plays. Like, he had the one to Tank Dell. Like the first the, possession, he missed the deep ball. Is that the one you're talking about? I'm not sure if it was the first possession. It might have been. But he was a, like a yard off on a deep ball to Tank Dell down the right sideline. And I'm not talking about the illegal shift. Uh, you go back to the – it might have actually been – I think been it the, was the first I don't possession. think so. It might have been the third and one. Whenever they had third and one, fourth and one, he threw a deep ball to Tank on third and one where I, it was – he overthrew it by a bit, and then he threw the fourth and one to Schultz. But wasn't on the first series, too, where they – the series uh, – I mean, the, the – the series ended because they took the deep shot and it was about two or three yards past Tank. Yeah, maybe it was. I thought there was about three or four throws, deep throws, like shot plays, that he was off by a yard on all of them. Where if like one of them connects, you probably get at least three points on any of those drives. Uh, it was Tank in the first one. That's a good point. It is. I had it listed here. Uh, I want to stop seeing him dive head first when he's running the ball. Oh, yeah. Like It was cool to see him run a little bit yesterday, especially like the touchdown to convert first downs. I don't want a quarterback that's trying to run for 80 yards a game. I'm cool with a quarterback getting a first down by using his legs every now and then, but I do not want that quarterback diving head first under any circumstances unless he's like fighting for a first down in a must-win game. First thing I thought about was this ain't college anymore. More, no. where, where the first body part to go down, you're down. You're going to get crushed doing that. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I, I thought he had really good creativity. Now, some would argue that maybe there was too much creativity, that he was trying to do a little bit too much by putting his team on his back in a pivotal game and a crucial game. I want to go back and see the film on that because it's tough to tell the TV broadcast. Nonetheless, there was good creativity there. Even if he had plays where maybe he should have thrown it sooner, we still saw him being able to extend plays, you know, elude pressure, go off script, and make some really nice plays, which it, it's good to see that he's capable of doing that. And he was also criticized for holding it too long. I need to go back and watch some of that too because I didn't really – I thought it was more offensive line was not good. I thought it was more un, like untouched like free runners that were getting to Stroud in a hurry. I didn't really see a whole lot. Maybe the final third and 12 or whatever it was before the Amendola 58-yard field goal, I think he had some options there where he wouldn't have gotten the first down. I think he was trying to get the first down. Or he could have checked it down, made it a shorter field goal. Uh, but I'm going to give C.J. Stroud a birdie. I thought he was really wow. good yesterday. Uh, I thought they were playing a really good AFC team that I think is better than a lot of people do. Uh, I give CJ Stroud a birdie for his performance. I would yesterday. throw into what you said to his poise, because yeah. especially on the touchdown to Tank, the fact that he eluded initially, then rolled away from the pressure, created more space for himself, and then threw across his body and and put that ball in a spot where only Tank could catch it. I thought his poise was was phenomenal. Really good play. Probably had Nico open earlier on that play, but hey, you get a touchdown. I'm not going to complain about a touchdown. His overall numbers were good. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, threw for over 300 yards. He ran for another touchdown, so three total touchdowns. Uh, I have to give C.J. Stroud a, a birdie for yesterday's performance. Yeah, I think it was a birdie as well. He played really, really good yesterday. It would have been nice to get the victory, but I don't think there's really too much to complain about. I am curious like what you see about him holding the ball too long because yeah. it did feel like at times that if he just would have got rid of it quicker, he would have been in a much better situation. But I thought he played a really good game. The sack on the halfback screen in that final possession was really bad. Yeah, that's bad. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that was on Stroud because it looks like it was defended really nicely. I think, and again, I'll watch this, but I think that on a play like that, you just throw it over the head of Singletary and you live to fight another down. Like That's one where you, okay, this play's a bust. 
I cannot get a sack. I'm launching this ball 10 feet over the head of, of Singletary. Now, he's in the area, That's but it's one that you're thing. throwing away. Yeah, because you, you know you're going to be scrutinized for grounding. you got to throw that ball still in the vicinity. And he couldn't really throw it at his feet because there was a, a defender between him and Singletary. Uh, so I'm really intrigued to see that play. He also showed like he's tough as nails in this game because he was getting beat up. He I mean, there was, was a lot of times up. in this game where, like, he's getting up slow. He's limping really bad at points in the game. Like, he is a He was tough, on the sidelines at a certain dude. point, and everybody was sitting, and he was still standing trying to work it out. You could tell that he had got taken some shots. He didn't take the big booming shot like he took against Arizona, was it? But but he did take a lot of, of, of contact. How would you grade C.J. Stroud in the loss yesterday to Jacksonville? 713-780-3776. And thank goodness... The Houston Texans are not the Carolina Panthers. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What do you need to do if you get into a car accident? The answer is simple. You need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. How much will you pay? Nothing up front. You do not pay until you win. And it's the biggest detail that you need when you need an attorney for anything, but especially when you're in a car wreck because you have so much to worry about and you got to figure out who's at fault and call the police and understand what to do and how to do it. And the Hollingsworth Law Firm specializes in car wrecks. They're going to walk you through every process, every step of the way. And because they're in your going to corner, they're in your corner. They're going to fight for you to make sure you win against the insurance company, the other driver, and you get what's rightfully yours. You don't want to deal with these insurance companies. They are aw- they're awful. They're dreadful. You don't want to have to mess with them. If you get into a car wreck, somebody you know gets into a car wreck. Plug the number into your phone now: seven one three nine 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 eight seven seven three seven one three nine 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 eight seven seven three. Consultations are free as well, or you can just visit them online: carwrecktexas.com. That's car. RecTexas.com. Yeah, it's kind of interesting seeing C.J. Stroud. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, seeing C.J. Stroud, comparing him to Lawrence. Meanwhile, you look over at Carolina, and Bryce Young has not been so good. Not only has Bryce Young not been so good, his head coach has already been fired. Frank Reich got fired today. And all of these questions that you you asked about the Texans during the, uh, during the offseason have actually turned out to be the Panthers. Idiot owner. Like, we thought that Cal McNair yep. for a while was an idiot owner, right? Cool yep. cat Cal. You know, he's cool, but is he an idiot owner? We, we discussed that. He was an idiot owner for a while. Like, he empowered Easterby for a while. Uh, we talked about – we didn't really talk about hiring the wrong head coach. Like, I think most people were in on D'Amico Ryan. So, we didn't talk about Houston hiring the wrong head coach. I wanted nothing to do with Frank Reich. Like, he's – I think he's overrated. Don't think he's very good. And I think this situation in Carolina has been awful. I think the bigger surprise was the fact that he got a job so quickly after getting shown out, of, out the door of Indy so quickly and rapidly. I thought it was going to be a year or two if anyone ever gave him another shot. And boom, just like that, he got the Carolina job. Yeah, so he's wanted, He's not even wanted done. He didn't even make it that far. He's done. He's gone. He fired him today. Um, you, we talked about, at times, not so much this offseason for the Texans, but we talked about this in the previous two offseasons, Josh McCown. Like, Carolina's yeah. the team that hired Josh McCown. Now, they weren't as foolish to be talking about the head coaching position with Josh McCown. It was at a quarter. It was as a quarterback's coach under Frank Reich. But they hired McCown. He actually got fired today by a colleague that he was working with. Shows you how much they feel about Josh McCown. So they were the team that hired Josh McCown, not the Houston Texans. They got the wrong quarterback with Bryce Young. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of doubt, I would say, from the majority of the city whenever they drafted uh, C.J. Stroud. But I think there's always a bit of fear when you draft any rookie quarterback that they are the one that's going to be a bust. You don't want anybody to be a bust. You don't want a quarterback to be a bust. They got the wrong quarterback, early reports. And then you could look at Carolina, too, and say that they 
were the one that made the bad trade. The Will Anderson trade is of now, like we can we can talk about if it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing, where it currently stands. But the Houston Texans have played to the point. Will Anderson has played to the point where we look at that trade being a lot more neutral today than it was on draft day. Meanwhile, the Carolina trade when they when they traded up with Chicago to draft Bryce Young, it was like, well, they're getting their franchise quarterback, they're getting Bryce. Who cares if they traded DJ Moore? Who cares if they're trading next year's pick? They're going to be good enough to where that pick's not in play. Well, it turns out that maybe it was Carolina that made the worst pre-draft day trade because they gave up more. They gave up their first rounder next year. They have a quarterback who's not playing near his potential, and that pick might be the first pick of next year's draft. All of the reasons that Frank Wright got fired today are for all of these variables, and these were variables that we've talked about with the Texans in the past. Yeah, and he's wearing it for a whole lot of people that could be at fault, starting with their owner, starting with their general manager, starting with everybody that was involved in making a lot of the decisions that you talk about. And with that being said, I think that when we looked at it too, even though that they were trying to do their best to bolster it, we were questioning the offensive line of the Texans. We were wondering, you know, how the offensive line was going to be and hold up for C.J. Stroud, and you look at Carolina, and it's like their offensive line is a freaking mess. I mean, we talked about C.J. running for his life yesterday. I mean, when you watch Bryce Young play, oh, my God. I mean, yeah, he hasn't played great, per se, but he also hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities based on the fact he's been running for his life pretty much every play all year. But you look at it and go, you're absolutely right. I mean, going into this, you thought, oh, Carolina's getting it right. They're right in the ship. They're putting everybody in place. They're going to be there for a long time. It's going to be Reich's job till he hands it off to Josh McCown. And now you're looking at it and you're going, everything went the Texans' way, whether it was fate and luck or however you, you describe it. I remember everybody looking at the guy that had the Stroud Carolina 7 jersey before the draft and everybody going, oh, they missed that badly because you know they got the quarterback in Bryce Young. They look like they're the worst-run franchise right now in the NFL. It's just so weird looking at all of the, the variables in play. And these 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 could have been the Texans. Very, very easily could have been the Texans. They already were thought to have had the idiot owner. Uh, not so much D'Amico. D'Amico wasn't the wrong head coach. No. But you did hire Cully and you hired Lovey, the wrong head coach in the past. You had Josh McCown as one of your finalists, not once but twice to be your head coach. Anytime you draft a quarterback in the first round, there is risk. There was a lot of risk in the trade that they made, but Carolina turns out to be the ones that checks all these boxes. Uh, Dave Tepper, idiot owner. Cal McNair looks pretty smart right now. Does Hannah have something to do with it? Yes, Absolutely. probably. Uh, they hired Frank Reich. I didn't like the hire from the start. Turned out to be awful. D'Amico Ryans looked very good and is in the running for NFL Coach of the Year. They were the idiots that hired McCown, not you. They drafted Bryce Young, who seemed like a bulletproof prospect. Turns out he's not. C.J. Stroud looks like the bulletproof prospect. And then the whole trade, the Texans and Will Anderson have played to a level where they have neutralized what you feel about it. Even if you still don't like it, it's not nearly as bad. Whereas Carolina, you look at this, they're going to end up trading DJ Moore. They're going to end up trading a first-rounder last year, which was the top-ten pick. They're going to end up trading what could be Caleb Williams for Bryce Young, and Williams might end up being better than Bryce Young. They're the ones who made the bad trade. And plus, when you look at it and watch any game at all, if you've watched any of Bryce Young besides running for his life, we overanalyzed to nauseum the size matters aspect of Bryce Young. When you watch Bryce Young, size matters. It looks like it. It really does. It truly looks like he's overmatched. He can't see a lot of the field that when you look at it, and it's one thing to say, well, Drew Brees looked through the bottom of his face mask. Yeah, but Drew Brees was still throwing dimes and, and had time and was able to see enough to know exactly where his receivers were. And 
you almost feel sorry for the fact that this kid has everything stacked against him. One, because the offensive line play hasn't been great. Two, because he doesn't have a whole lot of playmakers with the exception of an aging Adam Thielen. And three, because of the fact that it looks like he can't see over his own offensive line, let alone the defenses coming at him. Turns out Carolina is the... Uh... The laughing stock. Are they? Of the the, NFL. Are they the worst? Do they look like the worst franchise in the NFL right now? I think it's hard to escape bad ownership, and like that was always the fear with the Texans with Cal is that you're never going to be able to escape Cal McNair's bad ownership. But one thing I'll give Cal credit for, I think people were hesitant to give him this credit, like in the Easterby days, is I, I think that he likes to hire people and get out of the way. I think it's why he, you know, was loyal to Easterby. He was trying to get out of Easterby's way. He just hired the wrong person. So like, I don't think Cal meddles. Like I don't think Cal, obviously Cal's not messing with D'Amico. He's not messing with Casario or. Whereas Dave Tepper, I think, is a heavy meddler. They were talking about all the coaches. I think he has an MLS team. I didn't realize he had an MLS team. But he's fired like four coaches between his NFL and his MLS team like in the last 12 months. So it's this guy is ultra-involved. He's ultra-meddling. And I think that's a bad place to be for an NFL owner. We talked about the fact that we and I always was adamant that I think they're, they they care too much about what the fans think, and they were always listening. And we were talking that about that with the Texans. I think Tepper absolutely listens to the fan base. He's constantly hearing the chirping and demanding, you know, this guy get fired or do this differently. And that kind of leads to the track record you were talking about with how many coaches he's been through. He seems to always be listening with an ear to social media and the media and, and trying to see what he should do next instead of. Like you said, putting competent people in the right places. I think the one where Cal absolutely hit the home run and didn't have to pay to get the person to make the decisions and get out of the way was Hannah. I think the fact that Hannah was like the more stable voice in the room of the two McNairs has paid massive dividends for the Texans. Yeah, if, if they figured it out. Like, they figured it out to at least get out of the way. And I, maybe they were getting out of the way before, but too much. Like, the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Got out of the way, just let them do that. Uh, Easterby running, you know, the the organization. You probably got out of your way too much. Instead of just hiring really good people and then letting them do their jobs. And maybe Hannah's what kind of wise up Can you go back to the Tunsil trade, too? About the fact they didn't have the extension built into the trade, and when he got out of the way... Yeah, I put that more on O'Brien, and that's him, like, empowering O'Brien, but like you could chalk that up yeah. there too. Like, but that's also that's also evidence that he didn't meddle. Like, well, that's he what I'm saying. He didn't to your step point, in the way. I was adding to that as well by saying I don't think he meddled no. and he let him do whatever he wanted. But that's another one that's on his resume to say I was the owner in charge when Bill O'Brien made this bumbling buffoon move of giving up the farm for a left tackle and then not signing with the extension and letting him hold it for ransom over you the next year. If you had to pick one that was bad, though, I think I'd rather have an owner who doesn't get in the way because at least you get your answer on the GM, the head coach, and you know you can move on. Like I'd rather Cal allow those trades than be Dev Tepper where you're in the middle of everything. Or, or, or Dan Snyder. Or, or, or even mm-hmm. to some degree, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, Jones might, might be a very lucrative financial businessman type owner, but Jerry Jones as the general manager is a complete and utter miss in yeah, my opinion. because it feels like Tepper made this decision because he chose Bryce Young, and he thinks that he's right about Bryce Young, and it's Frank Reich's problem that Bryce Young is not C.J. Stroud. Yeah, which is because he wrong. expected Frank Reich, too, to do what he's done in Philadelphia and did when even when Wentz went down and the fact that Foles was the guy and he got all the credit for it, and that's what he was expecting, and he hired the name uh, and didn't realize he might have hired the wrong guy with the wrong quarterback. Yeah, I think that it's they're definitely towards the, the top of the bad ownership group. Like, it's it, to me, it's Carolina, it's Chicago, it's it's Vegas. Like those are right now. The Is Arizona out three. of it because Kyler's starting to play well? No, nah, probably not. No, they're probably not. So then they should be in there too. 
Yeah, I mean, and also, and there are a lot of bad organizations that are still bad organizations, but they got one thing right. They got a coach right or a GM right who then got the quarterback. Like, I think it's probably too kind to give Cal McNair a pass on all of this. Are your Bears in that mix? I said them. Oh, you did? Yeah, they're the worst organization in the NFL. Why is it too kind, though? If you get the GM in place and the head coach in place. Because they still made all those mistakes. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to, and I'll say the same for Cincinnati. Like, Cincinnati is a terribly run organization, Mm -hmm. but they got Joe Burrow, so, like, all of a sudden, like, it looks like they're this great organization. But all you need is one guy. All you need is the quarterback, and it fixes all your problems. Like, Chicago's not a bad organization. I think you need both. Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati nailed the head coach, and then, remember, everybody said, including I said, they needed to go offensive line the minute Burrow got hurt and and the fact that he was their franchise. They went Chase instead, and it worked out because Chase has been a stud too. Yeah, it's like, but if Caleb Williams is a superstar and the Bears take him number one overall, then all of a sudden the Bears ownership group, which is terrible, all of a sudden looks good. Like Now, I don't think Cal McNair belongs in that conversation with these other guys, but Carolina is definitely very bad. Very, very bad. 713-780-ESPN. Thank goodness the Texans aren't the Panthers. Like, could you imagine if the Texans 2023 season went this way as opposed to how it went? We'd be talking about, you know, coaches again. 713-780-3776. Speaking of coaches, how about the job Ime Adoka is doing for the Houston Rockets? I'll say it. I think Ime Adoka is the best coach in the NBA. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. Still got a game to be played tonight. It's Joe's Bears. It's the Vikings. If you want to put some dough on it to make a very dull, uninteresting game more interesting, the place you do it is mybookie.ag. And always use the promo code BET975. That's our promo code that we give to you as listeners, and you cash in because when you use that promo code, you can catch bonuses. Like the one that they always got going on that's always good and convenient for you. Your first deposit, use the code. You can get a deposit match up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000. You put 50 bucks to 1000 in. Whatever you put in, they put in. You see it instantly. Your account has more money in it, more money in your account, more games you can bet on, more chances you can win. Yeah, they get the prop get bets and the in-game betting as well. They even have live dealers standing by when there's no other sports and no other games going on or whenever you feel like it, playing a little poker, a little blackjack. They've got the live dealers because they want to appease you because they take care of their customers. They've been in business for over a decade. They aren't going anywhere. That means neither is your money. They're going to take care of you every step of the way. And what they really love to do is they love taking care of you. As a customer, they even have the MyBookie money bag where you can get all sorts of crazy long shot odds like up to plus 7,000. The money bag and the bets are for college football, NFL, NBA, every sport. You won't find odds like that anywhere else. Get started right now. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code BET975. Start cashing in. Get that bonus before you even start playing games. But like I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's MyBookie.ag and the promo code BET975. Uh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Ime Adoka is the best head coach in the NBA. He's blank on Branham. You look at what he's doing with this Rockets team. First off, you just go off wins, right? Under Silas... You go the three years that Silas was here. They won 17 games, win percentage of 236. They won 20 games, a win percentage of 244. They won 22 games, a win percentage of 268. Yes, it's only 14 games, but the Houston Rockets are 8-6. and six. They're above 500, and they are in the race for the NBA Cup. A must-win tomorrow at Dallas. So he's doing a great job with the Rockets just based on win-loss record. 
if you look at what Ime Adoka has done from like an offensive, defensive efficiency for the Rockets as well, the Rockets were not a good offense last year. Probably better offense than they were defense because you know Silas just let them play. <laughs> they didn't play last defense. year. They were number like I don't even know where they were offensive efficiency. They're up to number eleven in the NBA right now. They're on the cusp of the top. 10 of offensive efficiency. You look at where they are defensively, they're one of the best defenses in the NBA when they played zero defense at all. Ime Adoka has turned one of the worst defensive teams into one of the best defensive teams. He's turned a bad offense into a good offense. This team is playing over 500 basketball whenever they couldn't win more than 22 games in each of the last three years. And it doesn't stop there either. If you look at Ime Adoka before he came to the Rockets, what did he do in Boston? In his very first year, he took the Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals. Brad Stevens, who's a really good coach, won 36 games. He went 36 and 36 with Brad Stevens in Boston the year before Ime Adoka took over. Ime Adoka takes over. They go to the NBA Finals and win over 50 games. Even before that, I think Greg Popovich is a good coach in the NBA, even though he's childish for hopping on the microphone and telling everybody to be quiet while Kawhi Leonard's shooting a free throw. Greg Popovich is a really good coach. Greg Popovich hired Ime Adoka. The first person that gave Ime Adoka his break was one of the best coaches in NBA history. I think Ime Adoka might be the best coach in the NBA, Blankers. I would say that he's up there. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now for Coach of the Year regardless. I think the best coach in the NBA is another disciple of, of a lot of the things that you said in terms of the way they paid their dues and who they were a disciple of. In this case, it's Pat Riley. But Eric Spolster, to me, taking Heat teams, especially in the bubble as an eight seed and all the things that he's done to get that Heat team again last year to overachieve and beat the number one seeded Bucks and do the things that they've done, and he's won titles I, I, and he's controlled egos, which is massive when you get a guy that wants to make every decision like LeBron James and you get you know a, a guy that's a dominant personality like a Jimmy Butler. But the fact that everybody respects Spo, no slap in the face to Adoka. And I think that as time goes on, he probably is going to be a leading candidate to be the best coach in the NBA for a, a long period of time. And they definitely got the best coach on the open market. I'd still give Spolster the edge in terms of the resume and the overall, but I think that just to be in the same conversation with Eric Spolster, because I think it's it's starting to pass pop by. And I you mentioned agree. what happened about you know him grabbing the microphone. That's a Bobby Knight, Mike Shashevsky kind of thing to do in college. But even still, you raise your eyebrow and go, "Come on, man, you got enough to do. Worry about with it on the floor." Yeah. But I think that Pop's on the very, very backside. He's on hole number seventeen or eighteen if he ain't done pretty much with his career. But when you look at those two guys. I think they're the top two guys in the NBA in Spolstra and, I, and, and Ime Adoka. I love Spolstra, too, and I love his story. And I, I wouldn't argue that Spolstra's resume is better than Adoka's resume. Adoka just hasn't been coaching long sure. enough. This is only, it's only Adoka's second year. Right. Like He got fired after his first year for being – he had too much dog in him. And he got fired after that first year after going to a championship. And this is only the second year he's had as an NBA head coach. So he doesn't have the resume of Spolstra, who has over 1,000 wins. He has two NBA titles. He's been to four or five NBA titles. Now, a lot of that was with LeBron James. I think Ime Adoka would have had some success with, with Spolstra as well. But I wouldn't trade Ime Adoka for Eric Spolstra. If, you, if, if Pat Riley called me right now, and, and I'm Rafael Stone, or I'm one of the Fertitas, and, and, and Riley says, we're going to offer you Eric Spolstra for Ime Adoka, there is no way I'm making that trade. With the turnaround I've seen from the Rockets already, from going to being one of the worst defenses in the NBA to one of the best defenses, from having a below-average offense to having a good offense, there's no way I'm trading that guy for the resume of Eric Spolstra. Let me tell you why I wouldn't do it. 
because I think that just like we were just talking about with Texans versus Carolina, every situation is different, but every situation has a right recipe for success. Eric Spolstra is basically known now for being able to take two Jimmy Butler, uh, Jimmy Butler starred teams that completely overachieved with a bunch of veterans like Kyle Lowry and, and, and having the veterans that were interchangeable and, and took them to where they needed to go. I think Udoka is better suited for what he did in Boston, what he's doing with the Rockets, and that is molding and shaping young talent and turning them into the next set of, whether it be a role player that has a given role that they do really well or trying to build the next superstars, like what he's already done with Shen Goon, regardless of what you think of Jalen Green. I think it was the right situation for the right coach with Houston. I think that's why Spolster has been the right long-term fix for the Miami Heat because he understands the way Riley wants you to do it, but he also understands today's NBA and how star-driven it is, and he's able to get their respect. So I think both guys are in the exact right situation for them. But you're right. In terms of for the Rockets, they not only got the right guy. I wouldn't trade him for any other guy and mm-hmm. say they could do better. Yeah, I, I think he's the best coach in the NBA. Uh, concede that uh, that Spolstra has the resume. There's no doubt about that. 8693 feels really weird wanting to talk about all three teams in Houston. I agree. Uh, talking Texans on November 27, 2000. 23 versus talking Texans on November. We were talking about Will Levis this time last yeah. year. I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. Don't laugh over there, Mitch. The you uh, of we were talking about. 5806 NBA head coaches are useless. Ask Greg Popovich. Ask Steve Kerr. It's about the players, not the coaches. Steve Kerr is 62-100 without Curry in the lineup. Okay, I see your point here, and, and I understand that it's about you know, there's a lot about Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. The better roster you have, the more you're going to win. But you couldn't just put Joe George on did the sideline win? and win a bunch of games with those rosters. Brooklyn did not win uh, at the level they expected to win. Right. Like, if you have a if you have a coach, and all these teams have coaches, they have coaching staffs. Why wouldn't you optimize the position? If you have the best coach on the best roster, you have the worst coach on the best roster. The roster that has the best coach is going to win more games. Now you can argue how great the margin's going to be, how big the margin's going to be, but to say NBA head coaches are useless is ignorant. That's a useless comment to me because of the fact that you can take the the example I gave with Brooklyn with just continually adding stars to stars to say that that's a roster that should be you know capable of winning it all and they grossly underachieved did Tom Thibodeau make a difference with the Knicks absolutely and right away he took a roster that didn't know how to play defense the same way Udoka did got him playing a, a top level top five level defense in the NBA put in an offense with a little bit more structure to get the most out of the players that he was supposed to be stars for his team, and getting a Julius Randle type to excel and play more like to a level that I think he's overachieving at, or a Brunson or some of the guys that he's developed along the way too. Coaching matters in the NBA. Coaching is a difference maker. Is it the ultimate difference maker? No, of course you need star players, and we know that. But overall, coaching takes you from the level of being competitive and good or playoffs and with a chance to being a true contender or a division winner. It takes you a level up if you have the right coach for the right roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I understand where the Texas is coming from. Like, I, their best roster is going to have the best roster is more important than the best coach. Like, you have the best roster and a top 15 coach, they're going to win a bunch of games. You have the best coach in the 15th roster, the, the, 
Best but roster it, and the fifteenth coach is probably going to be better than the vice versa. But I want both. Like if you're going to have a head coaching position, why would you just settle for like, oh, head coach doesn't matter. Let's just build this great roster and then let's just hire a mediocre coach. No, hire the best coach. Well, Bring the most out. And why are those rosters so good? A lot of times because the coaching staff makes them better. They enhance who they are. They develop them. They bring the most out of them. But even with super teams, Jeremy, we're talking about a super team that listened to Eric Spolstra. So a Ray Allen came off the bench or did whatever he was expected to do, no matter what his resume said it was. And they played as a team so that they got the ultimate achievement. With Brooklyn, Steve Nash, because Kyrie said they could coach themselves, and they decided that, hey, they don't need anybody, and Steve Nash can do what anybody else could do with this roster. And then everybody's personality went haywire, and they all wanted to do their own thing, and they grossly underachieved. Yeah, uh, give me the give me the best coach. All that. like I want a good coach team. Like I want a well coached team as opposed to a mediocre coach team. And they're not even part of the salary cap, so it's not even a trade off. It's just the owner's desire, right. spill, like spending money to hire the best guy for the position. Go build a great roster, but also have a great coach. Why wouldn't you? And a lot of times, that great coach is going to take a good roster and make it a great roster, especially a young roster that he's very much involved in the development of who they become as players. Look at Alpi Shingun in, in 14 games. Even Jalen Green. I know Jalen Green's had some downers, but look at Jalen Green the last two games after he was benched and sent a message in the fourth quarter. He's been phenomenal. Who benched him? Who sat him down? That's the difference. Yeah. Because Jalen was the last guy to buy in, but now that he's buying in, his stats look better, but the team keeps winning because he's buying into the system. Look at Monty Williams. All the money in the world. You can get the best coach, or you can get the guy that's the first. That's a big name. Detroit went with a big name, overpaid him to take over a young team, and they're not getting the results. The Rockets got the right coach at a, at a good price and, and got a guy that fits perfectly with their roster. And then the difference is the wins and the losses and the way the team plays on both ends of the floor. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. It's time for our car wreck of the day. Who are you nominating for our car wreck of the day? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft Procedure. He does a lot of things well. He does Botox. He does plastic surgery. If you guys are looking for the ultimate gift that keeps on giving for your significant other, well, you can go see Doc Linville and he can help you out in a variety of different ways with a gift that will just keep on giving. But if you're really focused on you and trying to make a difference starting in the new year and you want to get your hair back and it's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that mask the problem, go see Doc Linville and ask about the Neograph procedure. And I say go see him and ask because as a listener to our station, you get a free consultation with Doc and his staff where they can explain the Neograph and give you all the details, answer your questions, see if it's right for you. Nothing to sign on the dotted line for, no money out of pocket or commitment from you, just a complete informative question and answer session where you can see all what the Neograft has to offer and if you would consider doing it. If you do do it like I did, you will never be happier than knowing you got your hair back. In my case, it was my hairline in front. He came to me and said, I can make a difference. He certainly did the procedure. It was painless in six to nine months. I saw the true results, but almost overnight after doing the procedure, you could see the follicles there and they're growing and they're getting longer and stronger and they're not going anywhere because they come from a place you're never going to lose it. Genetically, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides in the back of your head, which I did not know. Once he told me that in my consultation, it made it even that much easier to make the decision to do the neograft. Check it out today, free of charge. Just go in and get the the actual consultation. Go to 975hair.com and see if you're the next in line to get the procedure and see if the neograft makes a difference for you, too. I did it. Couldn't be happier with it. Tell them I sent you by. Go to 975hair.com. He's blank on Branham. 
Dive right into our car wreck of the day. What is the car wreck of the day? Presented by CarWreckTexas.com. What are you guys nominating, boys? This wouldn't be the first time, and there's multiple there's multiple selections with this process. It's Texas A&M again because of the fact that it seems like they got scared away and, and the athletic director who was paid to make decisions to find a head coach, not only how embarrassing it was that you're paying your last head coach over $75 million, but then it leaks out that you found your next head coach, but then when you get pressure or feel pressure from whoever, boosters and fans and everything else, it's not your next head coach so that you can hire another next head coach. And you just, you just completely look like bumbling idiots when you have all the resources, all the money, everything that should want you were picking the litter to have every opportunity to come to Texas A&M. I think they screwed up the whole process. Okay. Um, you're talking Aggie specifically or everybody in the coaching carousel? I just think the fact the way A&M handled everything. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I feel like they had a solid coach in Mark Stoops. And this, I think that Elko is a solid coach. I think they're kind of equals, honestly. Um, now, Stoops is playing the SEC. He might know the SEC a little bit better. And everybody, Well, his SEC record wasn't good. Cool. Mike Elko's ACC record was 9-7. and seven. And Stoops has done some good things at Kentucky, some things that kind of uh, unprecedented at Kentucky. And the last time A&M poached a Kentucky head coach, it was Bear Bryant. They just let Bear Bryant walk right away. I can't believe it. <laughs> Joe doesn't like when I say that. I'm nominating the Carolina Panthers, not because they that fired the Frank one. Reich. Like, I, I get it. He's not doing anything. You made the huge trade. Bryce Young needs to be needs to play well. He's not playing well. I thought that Reich was uh, on the chopping block whenever they went back to he him did. for play calling. Anytime your head coach is calling plays, they go to the OC to call plays, and then they go back to the head coach. Usually doesn't bode well for the head coach. Uh, but... From top to bottom, for Frank Reich, the failure that has been their season, uh, Bryce Young's poor play because of their coaching, Josh McCown, part of that, getting fired. Steve texted that in as well. I'm nominating for one of a few nominees, the Carolina Panthers, Joe George. The replay system in both college and in the NFL, it sucks. What's the point of it? They still can't get it right. It happened in Michigan, Ohio State. It happened with the Tank Dell catch. It's not just the officiating on the field, but the replay system itself doesn't work. I'm, I'm at the point where I, what did I just get rid of it? Either invest the cameras to make sure you have every single angle covered because it's not hard. You have them for playoff games in college football and in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They choose to ignore it in the, in the regular season. So either have everything covered or just abolish it. I'm just, I kind I'm of agree. I don't like how the play on the field is has to be overturned either. Like I don't know why that is the precedence. I trust slow-mo cameras more than I trust 60-year-old referees in live speed. Give me a slow-mo camera being the definitive call, not some 60-year-old who can't keep up with the speed of the game being the definitive call. That, to me, is so stupid. But here's the thing that we've all talked about previous to that, too, and it's something that came up again today, which is make sure you have all the camera angles so yeah. that the slow-mo does give you a definitive yes or no, in or out, or whatever, to clarify the call. The no, if the number one objective is to get the call right, you should not be shaving expenses or saving this or that when you know you're making unbelievable amounts of money with the broadcast deals anyway. Yeah. And the broadcast is the first one that wants to be the one that delivers to you the camera angle that shows the call and whether it was right or not. 
Get it right by getting enough cameras to make sure you have every angle covered. And the NFL doesn't have to cover the expense. Like no. This is part of the negotiation with the networks. Okay, yeah, you can carry our teams for $1 billion, but you're going to need this camera, this camera, this camera, that camera, all of these cameras. And the networks will be like, cool, to be in business with the NFL, I'd be glad to. And as you and I both know, it's not like the the, the days of the of the caveman when every camera angle had to be a big man manned camera that was like a massive piece of equipment that mm-hmm. had to be lugged all over. Yeah. We've seen what an iPhone can do the cameras are small we know what all the different cameras can do when when they're on all the different remotes and flying around on the the the, the drones right it doesn't take that much to put the right cameras in place there's already this little thing on the football field too that perfectly sees down the goal line and down the sideline it's called a pylon Mm -hmm. and they've also already invented the pylon camera this isn't that intuitive. This isn't rocket science. Let the killer bees take all the money that Roger Goodell is making. Do you have another nominee? Uh, look, I was going to say it because you found it, but I think one of the nominees has to be the Houston Texans because they stole the fact that we did the poll for oh, what, you, yeah. what you call they did. The, the, their version of the Lambeau Leap, and then they tried to make it their own, and that's Bush yep. League. They stole our idea. And it's not even what Tank called it at first. Tank called it the Houston Hop. Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah, we, we voted on it as a show that it was going to be the H-Town hop when a Houston Texan leaps into the fans at NRG Stadium. And the Texans, they used it in a video, and they, they labeled it the H-Town hop. Steelers. And I quote tweeted, I said, look, we had it first. Residual checks. Just give us the broadcast rights to the Houston Texans. We'll call it a deal. I also would like we'll to make more cameras available. Uh, CJ Stroud for <laughs> Car Wreck of the Day. Oh, because the... here's the thing, man. Yeah, when you move to a new city, yeah. Yeah. don't always tell the truth. Coming yeah. at the women of Houston and the food of Houston. I didn't hear him talk about the food. Low I thought he said two... the food was okay, but the women were not as good as they LA. They were fake bougie. It's, as yeah, that low was, S2-y. That was a low S2-y move. I, I watched both clips. I'm like, oh, just don't. I didn't hear the food one. Yeah, he said the food's not great. Oh, no, I didn't uh... hear that. I thought he gave the food props well he's not eating at the right spots that's actually what he said though he said he keeps getting like he thinks he's getting bad recommendations yeah he is or not like specific enough recommendations but if jj was in the building last week if jj's around take a page out of the script that was the fantastically written script of jj watt no matter what teams he followed growing up and how much he loved his teams back home he did his press conferences with rockets hats and oilers jerseys and astros hats yeah. And played it to a T to where you couldn't help but love JJ. Yep, just low S2 move, CJ. Matt Amendola on kicks that are 40 or greater. And the referees yesterday. Now, those are my Across final the nominees. the NFL, the referees were horrible. I don't know how we pick a winner today. There's a lot of good nominations. Carolina. Somebody texted in Carolina. Multiple people multiple, texted multiple in Carolina. Multiple people texted Carolina. So maybe, we should, maybe we should leave it in the hands of the hive today. I'm good with Carolina. That's fair. All right. Congratulations, Carolina Panthers. Car wreck of the day. You going to do a car wreck? Callings with law firm 713-999-8773. CarWreckTexas.com. It's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe George for doing all the hard work. He's blank. I'm Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. The Bullpen with Joe George is up next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.